Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing, man. It's uh, it's a wonderful day in Miami, Florida. How are you? Yeah, great to be back. We did not have a week three wrap-up show because uh, I was going to do it with Lackford, and he did, it turns out he he had a cookout, uh, which he was the cook, and so he didn't get to watch any of the games. <laughs> so, how long did the cookout last? I don't know, but uh, the way he said it, uh, I actually may have to check and use the check the verbiage, but it sounded very. I was picturing that. Remember that Tupac video where they were like out at the pool. Yeah, and they're dumping champagne on people. Right. I pictured it being something like that. And, of course, you were on the road, uh, and uh, so I, I was left without a co-host. And there wasn't a lot of good games, so it's like, chances are, if, if Lackford, who loves college football, decided not to watch any of the games, I doubt people were super interested in hearing a podcast recapping a bunch of them. So um, we'll be back with the show this week. I'm, tr- I'm working, I'm efforting on lining up a guest from one of the big games, so... We'll keep you posted there. But you guys didn't. You guys didn't get a chance to make fun of me for both of my locks of the century not hitting. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we missed on that. But uh, so guess what? Last week you went eight, nine, and one, and I went nine, eight, and one. So uh, we are boy very average. Hooray yeah. for mediocrity. Yeah. Right on the season, we're both fifteen, nineteen, and two. Um, so that. The, you know what I, I noticed about listening to other podcasts that make picks? They never say how they did. They never go back and say their record. Maybe we should just take that approach and just. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is to be fair. We've been pretty good, or at least I have for the last few years. So I'm due well, for a disaster season. Yeah, picking all the top twenty-five games is hard, but guess what? It gives us a chance. It's just a way of us previewing and getting to discuss them. So uh, let's jump right into it. Friday night. You know you love Friday night football. Uh, Utah. Going to USC, Utah, three-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you think, Rob? I, 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 I like Utah, but this line is it seems fishy to me. Well, you know, USC really frustrated me last week in the lock of the millennium <laughs> where they just kind of looked against uh, BYU, who was also Egh. So, you know, give me the Utes. I, you know, I'll reverse course here. I, I still believe USC has – Better athletes at every position, but I also think that, that team with a head coach that's probably going to get fired is liable to quit on the season, and this could be the week that they quit on the season. Yeah, I saw some people on Twitter say, if he loses this game, he must be fired down. And it's like, well, then what? Who you make the interim co- like people? Bob think- Stoops! <laughs> Duh! <laughs> right, but people think that, like... <laughs> Firing the coach like week four is like going to have enough. They're like, they can salvage the recruiting class. It's like, how? They can't hire a new coach until November. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to, recruits aren't going to commit to Clay Helton, but they're also not going to commit to nobody. Right. So, yeah. You you might as well, they have a brutal three game stretch coming up. You might as well let him take all three of those L's before you make a move. And I, I still don't know who you make the coach. I guess the offensive coordinator, but it's not like, you know, guess what? Ed Orgeron is no longer available to be interims, sadly. Yeah, no kidding. All <laughs> right, what's next? Uh, Air Force uh, going to uh, number 20, Boise State. Air Force, a seven-point underdog. Air Force got got me good last week uh, against Colorado. They won outright in a game that was an, another one of those fishy lines. Boise's been kind of muddling around. I I'm not sure how good they really are. I, I think they have some talent, but they're not going to. It doesn't seem like they're going to really blow anybody out. What do you think about this one? Give me the academy. I, you know, if your best win is over Florida State, and uh, I'm a little suspect of you going to take Air Force. <laughs> yeah, you have to take that into account. Actually, I'm going to take Boise just because uh, or Boise, as they like to call, it. they don't like the Z in there. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like they've played this triple option offense, and, and I think seven is not a huge number on a Friday night. It'll be a good atmosphere. Uh, all right, moving on. Alabama, uh, 38.5, 39. We're going to go with 39-point favorite over Southern Miss. Uh, I'm going to take Alabama. I am too. That's, I mean, there's really not a lot to say about that. Well, you know, this is the game they're complaining about the time, Rob. Uh, yeah, we talked about that last yeah, week. Yeah, right? can't have it's, the time. It's too early. Yeah, yeah. Um, God forbid we're playing a bad you know, <laughs> group of five team at home. Uh, LSU traveling to Vanderbilt, uh, another one of these noon kicks, That's an, or 11 a.m. Uh, LSU is a huge favorite in this one. I don't know. I keep kind of – they're 24-point favorite. I keep kind of like flipping back and forth, but uh, – just because it's so early, like that, those are, those are eleven o'clock kicks. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take LSU just because their offense. You, yeah, good. you coward! I'm taking I'm taking the Commodores. Are you? I are. think they can keep this closer. You know, LSU is due for a game where they kind of limp through it. And I know this. There's no backing in reality of this hunch. Uh, you know, I don't think Vanderbilt is a very good team. But I think this could be a bit of a look ahead. Uh, they're pretty comfortable. Vanderbilt has some athletes. I think people forget that. And you know, they got a pretty good coach in Derek Mason. So I think they'll keep it close. Uh, give me the Commodores. Yeah, I'm just scarred by the the Purdue game I watched, where Vandy had a chance to come back in the fourth quarter, and then they just started making these insane decisions, like like uh, going for a field goal on fourth and one and missing it, and then later. Punt going for it on fourth and ten in the same part of the field, and I was like, "What are you? What is going on here?" Like, uh, I was really mad about it, so I'm uh, I'm holding it against our boy, Coach Mason, who was supposed to be at the game I was at last week. I did not see him. I did get a chance to meet another one of the coaches. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, long story short, nothing to say there. Florida and Tennessee. The line has moved up to fourteen and a half. This is a tricky one. Uh, the Gators with their no, backup quarterback, who has not started a game since his freshman year of high school. And and you, do you want to know who he backed up in high school, Rob? You told me off the air, so I'll let you deliver the uh, I'll let you deliver the dark, here. dark horse Heisman candidate De'Aaron King. No wonder he didn't play in high school. Um, so, the, do you think it's pretty insane that it's a it's just, the line is this big? No, because I don't know if Tennessee can protect the quarterback against Florida's defense. I don't know if they can move the ball. I, have they done anything? I mean, they beat up on Chattanooga. Have they done anything to make you think that they're like a legitimate Power 5 football team? Uh, no, and I, I'm i with you. I think this is a situation where this is going to be one of those games where it's like the, the Florida – Florida had – remember they had 10 sacks against uh, – Miami, which, by the way, Pro Football Focus, I think, with their stats, which are different, credit them with 13 sacks. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm going to take the Gators. I, hold on, hold on. What do you mean they're different? Like they, They've redefined a sack? Well, there's, they have all kinds of different stats. It's weird they, they sort of tally them different, as we know. Some controversy in-house about the accuracy of those. <laughs> so here's how here's – how I mean, here's the case that can be made for Tennessee not getting blown out is – a quarterback that hasn't started a game in a very long time. Dan Mullen mixing and matching packages for him, for Trask and Emory Jones, who he's going to use both of. It's a rivalry game. I mean, Florida's not great either. I mean, I, they're obviously not Tennessee levels of bad. I mean, and they're undefeated. But I, don't, I mean, I don't think that this is a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. The offense might not be able to score enough to blow them out like this, but I, I'm still taking the Gators to cover. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, I don't I'm we have no like, reason to believe in Tennessee and Trask looked really good in that game last week. So and it's not like there's any film on him. 
because uh, he's never played ever. So, um, all right, this is one of the games of the week. Michigan traveling to Wisconsin. Now, after the Army game, I told myself, no matter what the spread is, I'm definitely taking uh, Wisconsin. I was like, you know, Wisconsin's going to smoke them. Jonathan Taylor's going to have a million yards rushing. But now I've sort of flipped back in my mind. Wisconsin's a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I know you you love – you you hate Michigan, so you're definitely taking – I don't them. hate Michigan. I just don't think Shea Patterson is good. That's, that's okay. I think that's the difference there. So what do you think? So you like Wisconsin then? Yeah, I'm taking Taylor and the Badgers. I think they'll win by ten points. So I'm going to take Michigan because, I've, like I said, I've flipped back and forth. I do – think Wisconsin is really good, but at the same time, I mean, USF is definitely one of the worst teams in the country um, with the way they've played to start the year, and then I think they played Central Michigan or somebody like that, so I'm not super impressed with Wisconsin's schedule. Michigan obviously hasn't looked great either, but uh, I don't know, maybe two weeks gives them a chance to tweak, make some tweaks on this alleged speed and space offense, <laughs> which I have yet to see. That's the problem is like, you know, these, these people write these articles all offseason about how this offense is going to look different. And by the way, this is another thing I want to talk about. Everyone keeps saying, oh, Josh Gaddis, he's a, he's a Joe Moorhead disciple. First of all, Josh Gaddis was at Vanderbilt with James Franklin before they ever went to Penn State. So can we stop saying that? Or are we just going to – is that just a lie we're going to keep perpetrating? I think it's just something that's going to be said. Just now. Be- becomes a fact, even though it's not true. Like I mean, well, any- you know, it wouldn't be the first time in the history of college football that some fake story has become a fact. I believe Josh Gaddis has me blocked on Twitter, so uh, you know, I have no reason to lie here. <laughs> situation. Uh, Cal traveling to Ole Miss. This is a fishy one, Rob. Cal is ranked. They're going on the road to Ole Miss. They're two and a half point underdogs. Best secondary in the country. Remember? Best secondary in the country. One of the guys was a two-time walk-on, zero star. Um, I think he got a little banged up, though. So this is this is a does this strike you as a fishy line of the week? What do you think? It's uh, take old Miss line of the week. So you like old Miss get uh, as a favorite at home against Cal? Yep, to cover. Yeah, I'm gonna take it just because it's too fishy to to for anything else. I I do think Cal's gonna have a hard time. It's hot down here in the south still. That's That kickoff at 12 yeah, Eastern, 11 local time, and, of course, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, you want to – you know, while we were – you know, we took some time to kind of make fun of me for the two lock of the week picks. You know what might have been worse than those is that whole soliloquy I went on about how Stanford was going to keep it close at UCF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're down like 30 points in the first quarter. Oh, bro, that was – I had a bad week last week on this podcast. Yeah, we'll talk about UCF. That was the only reason I wanted to do the podcast. I just wanted to make fun of Lackford the whole time and talk about how good UCF is. Uh, but we'll talk – we can talk a little bit about them when we get to their game. But, yeah, that was a beat of that. UCF uh, could have probably scored 60. And then I saw people on Twitter be like, if they could have, why didn't they? They need style points. It's like – no matter what, as I keep telling people, it doesn't matter. UCF could do anything and do whatever they want, win every game. The system is never going to let them get in the playoffs. So it, does, it doesn't matter, right? No, it's completely rigged against them. They're not. And it starts with the voters. And we don't need to get into this because every other podcast on the planet has covered this ad nauseum. But, no, there's literally nothing they can do to get in. I mean, we might as well be talking about, you know, IMG getting in. They <laughs> right. get the same chance. Exactly. So, okay, moving on. Ohio State hosting Miami of Ohio. Ohio State is a thirty-nine and a half point favorite. And guess what? I like the I like the Buckeyes. I, I, Miami of Ohio is not good. I can't name a player on Miami of Ohio, and usually I know a few guys on Mac schools. Um, so yeah, give me the Buckeyes. 
Did you? I, I believe Blaine Gabbert's brother or cousin. Remember, you remember him for sure. He's the quarterback. I do. He's on there. Yeah, he's their he's the roster now. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Well, I bet we, I bet we could recognize some. Come on. Well, yeah, definitely. Just off the top of my head, I didn't know any. I'm definitely going to recognize some guys on this on this roster. Well, you move on while I try to load this thing up. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, Auburn and Texas A&M. Another really good game. Uh, this one, the, the the 3:30 CBS game. So we'll have all types of Gary Danielson things coming out of this one. Uh, Auburn is a three and a half point underdog, despite being the number eight team in the country and beating Texas A&M last year. I'm going to take Texas A&M. I think Kellen Mond plays much better at home than on the road, and uh, I think Bo Nix. Has, has kind of been up and down. Obviously, he was amazingly clutching that Oregon game. But uh, I think that's a really hard place to play, especially as a true freshman going on the road. Yeah, those are every bullet point I was going to use. It's too big of a stage right now for somebody that, with all this stuff about Malzahn, whether it's probably tr- not true, <laughs> floating around out there, it just seems like Nix has been asked to do a lot this week in a really hostile environment. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Give me the Aggies. Okay, so let's talk about that real quick. We had Sports by Brooks report that, <laughs> assuming this is a there's a lot of like I mean, that's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> assuming that that Bob Stoops, uh, excuse me, assuming that that Auburn loses to Alabama at the end of the season, that Bob Stoops <laughs> is going to be in the mix to be the coach to replace. Uh, the, the actual report is that some rich booster wants Bob Stoops. Not that Bob Stoops has been contacted or anything like that. So it was basically a rich guy. We're basically reporting on some rich guy's whims. Here. I mean, it's not an actual story. It's this rich guy is going to want Bob Stoops if Gus Malzahn fails to beat Alabama, which is the football team equivalent of this kid might commit to the school if an offer happens. Yeah, it's a lot of hypotheticals. The, the one thing that I had an issue with was the Alabama. Boy, the Alabama media really jumped on it. And one thing was like, if he wanted to coach football, he wouldn't be coaching in the XFL or whatever. It's like, eh, I don't. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think the fact that he's still coaching means he could coach again. You know, if he yeah. if he didn't want to coach, he would just be hanging out, chilling, yeah, you know? doing TV or whatever. No, right. I, I agree. It's just, but I mean. To report something like that seems a little bit weird, right? Like, I mean, I could report that, you know, rich boosters want to hire Bill Belichick, and they probably do want to hire Bill Belichick. It does not mean that any contact is – it's not a real story. <laughs> right, exactly. He definitely – that's a situation where uh, where that well, – And then – you know, not to pile on Brooks here, but then today – so somebody asked Stoops about it on his book tour, and of course Stoops is like – no, that's not true. I would never, you know, I would never talk to a coach. And Brooks then crafts a story and tweets out, "Bob Stoops fires back at me." If it wasn't clear that this was just like some kind of headline grab, <laughs> now he's like, Mil- it "Fires back at me." That, that's, I mean, uh, Bob Stoops hey. eviscerates me for my report. Yeah, he eviscerates. <laughs> Bob Stoops eviscerates abhorrent reporting. Uh, you get to get all the words in there. Boy, guess what? Miami of Ohio's got a lot of kids that I've uh, evaled. The, there's well. a lot of Tennessee guys. There's, there's yeah. no Florida flavor. Although there is a guy from the other St. Thomas Aquinas in Kansas, Jaden Russell. Wait, yeah, who knew St. Thomas? <laughs> Saint oh, Thomas I know this uh, this Zedric Raymond kid from uh, from Alabama. I remember him. Yeah, he's my guy. 
all of their quarterbacks are from my states somehow. Boy Jackson Williamson from South Carolina. I know they have some uh, transfers, but I can't find them. Not a single Florida kid on the roster. They're dead meat. That's crazy because it seems like when you meet kids from down there, they have offers. Yeah, you know, but if they go to Mac schools, they usually go to Toledo or like, you know. Yeah, Kent State. Yeah, you're right. All right, uh, moving on. UCF going to Pittsburgh. This is an interesting game. Now, two years ago, you went on and on about how UCF is like a nonstop covering machine, bet them in every game, and that hasn't really slowed down for them. Uh, Their record against the spread, I saw like an article on one of these gambling sites that said basically like UCF is free money. Um, I do worry a little bit about you know, a letdown after they were all fired up for that game last week. But this this is just as important for them to go and win. And I don't think, you know, no offense to the Pitt fans, but do we really think that that Heinz Field is going to be, you know, packed for a one and two Pitt team hosting UCF? Pitt did me right last week. They came in, they covered against Penn State. I think they do have athletes. I think that there will be at least some sense of, sure, they're one or two, but there's some sense of a program on the rise because they're recruiting well and because they played relatively well against Penn State for a while last week. I mean, I don't think it's going to be Kyle Field. It's not going to be some daunting atmosphere, but I don't think it'll be empty and quiet either. I think they can cover. I'm going to take the Panthers. Okay, so UCF is 3-0 and against the spread. This year they were 9-4 and last year. And in 2017, they that was were, the, that was the year that it was free money. Uh, eight, four, and one. So, so <laughs> that's 17 and eight. Uh, that's 28 and two against the spread. So that's pretty big number. So you're going to take Pitt after after losing last week. You're going to you're going to roll the dice again. Well, I lost on UCF last week, but I won on Pitt last week. So okay. So the line is 11. Uh, so Rob will take Pitt plus 11. I'm taking UCF minus 11. The, I think that they, you know, they just have way more athletes than Pitt and Dylan Gabriel. By the way, that's one of my greatest calls of the year that he was going to be the starter when I, I said it after watching him throw about a few passes week one. Um, so I, I like UCF there. Uh, Washington traveling to BYU. BYU, I guess, just in the Pac-12 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, the, uh, Washington, a road favorite. This is a... This is an interesting line again. BYU has had like the most interesting lines of the year. Washington is a six-point favorite on the road. Last week, because of uh, that Iowa, it was one of the early games that burned you. Um, I just said, forget it. I'm taking BYU, even though I think USC is going to win. It was Temple. Oh, it was the Temple game. After the Temple game, I was like, something's up with these. You know, Vegas is outsmarting everybody, so let me go against my own judgment, pull a Costanza, take BYU. That was right. Wash, this one seems fishy again. It seems high for Washington, so I'm going to take uh, Washington. I think they're going to roll them on the road here. Why is the Miami of Ohio kicker Tate Martell? <laughs> wait, till you see this guy, wait till you see this guy's picture. I sent it name? to your DMs. But okay. No, no, it just looks just like him. Oh, okay. Uh, so who do you, you think you got? You got the Huskies. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I got the Huskies. All right, so so yeah, that one is once again fishy. BYU uh, confusing everyone. Uh, this is a game that I am very interested in, Rob. TCU SMU. Uh, this TCU number twenty five, by the way, in the rankings after beating Purdue last week in a game that was one of my locks of the week that I forgot about. SMU is a nine and a half point underdog, and guess what? Give me SMU. I think they're sneaky. They're they're catching up with people. I think people are sleeping on them. They're three and zero. They smoked North Texas. They won again last week. So I like SMU. 
No, I'm riding with you too. I, I think I don't. You know, I don't know that I'm a big Alex Delton believer. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but is he the starter? I, what, what? I think he is, isn't he? Or at oh least he plays God. in packages. Yeah, he plays. What? A, yeah, no way. I, I would never. Although you were always the out. Yeah, they're playing Max Duggan and Alex Denton. Well, here's like, the thing: Alex Delton is fast. I mean, it's just if you force him to throw, it can get a little dicey because he kind of shot puts it. Do you want to hear his his passing stats for the year? Let's hear him. Eleven of twenty-eight for a hundred and twenty-four yards. That's that's thirty-nine percent. Four yards an attempt with one interception and three sacks. Yeah, I'm I'm on you, man. Yeah, so uh, that's a big number. Uh, I know. I understand. TCU's coming off a big win against Purdue. I don't think Purdue is very good. Purdue cannot run the ball at all. How about, real quick, let's talk about this. How about they interviewed somebody on TCU, and my apologies, I can't remember who it was after the game, and he throws in the cryptic, we don't lose to teams like that. And he never really expands on what teams like that means. <laughs> yeah, that and I really was, enjoyed that. That was a nice jab. Uh, all right, next up, Oregon traveling to Stanford. Stanford, God, they, they play USC, then they got to go all the way out to UCF, then they come all the way home, they host Oregon. The line, Ducks a 10.5-point favorite. This was the game last year where Oregon, all they had to do was, like, take a knee and run out the clock, and then they somehow, like, snapped the ball over the puncher's head, and then it returned it for a touchdown, and then then they fumbled. Remember when they should have been taking a knee, uh, and they blew the game in overtime? Oregon a 10.5-point favorite on the road. That's a huge number, but I'm still – I think the Ducks smoke them here. Yeah, I, I after what I saw Stanford do last week, I cannot, in good faith, advise anybody to put any kind of American currency on the Cardinal. I will ride with the Ducks. So Lackford thought that Stanford's starting quarterback didn't play. He was like, oh, yeah, UCF won, but they're not the same without their quarterback. I'm like, their quarterback played and it was horrible. Um, I, I really think they missed, you know, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and our boy Trenner, when you lose your two best receivers, and they, I understand they have one of the St. Brown brothers, and they got some tight ends. Is Irwin on somebody's roster? He's on the Dolphins practice squad, I believe. Oh, man, he can't even get on the field there, huh? Yeah, well, he might be by the end of the year, but uh, Preston Williams beat him out the resort. The resort had a great preseason. People were real high on him around here. Yeah, he had a touchdown week one, too, so he's pretty... <laughs> Miami is one... Talk about bet against uh, whoever. Last week I took the over in that game. It was forty-eight point five, and the, the Patriots won forty-three to nothing. So I lost. I was like, "Come on, Dolphins! We can't get a garbage fourth quarter touchdown or something." Can we talk about the nickname too? Like he named himself that, correct? I remember when he was the in high school, him demanding that we call him the Resort. Yeah, that was his nickname. He named himself the Resort. He was also a model. Remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he was a model, and he was demanding that I call him the resort. And I think that he's still like he's still trying to get the resort to catch on because I see reporters sometimes refer to him as such in tweets, but it hasn't taken full hold yet. Well, he's really worked fa- hard on that. I remember when he left Tennessee and said he was going to transfer to a school with a beach, and then and they transferred to Colorado <laughs> State. <laughs> I'm like, was like, he also some kind of fashion designer as well on top of his modeling career? Like he wants to design clothes? Yeah, he had a lot going on. Uh, I remember I got in a lot of trouble because I said he was – I told Tennessee fans he was weird. 
uh, when he was committed there, and they and they attacked me. How can you call him weird? Yeah, you know, weird like, isn't always a pejorative, though. Guess who else right. is weird? Me, you know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm very weird. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, they took it as a negative, and it became a whole a whole thing. But uh, obviously, he's had quite an eclectic career. But you know, undrafted, he makes the team, and he's catching touchdowns. So big shout to him. Um, all right, moving on. Old Dominion traveling to Virginia. This line's a little tricky. Virginia's a huge favorite in this one. I think it's 28-and-a-half, opened at 29, so it moved down a little bit. I like Virginia a lot, but I'm going to take Old Dominion just because I I don't – people forget that a lot of these Old Dominion kids are from Virginia. They want to be recruited by these schools, and they don't, and that's how they end up beating schools like Virginia Tech like they did last year. And I I think four touchdowns is a pretty big spread for Virginia. Does this game have some kind of, like, Revolutionary War theme surrounding it or some kind – I mean, shouldn't it? (laughs) It should. I don't know. It's in Charlottesville, so I don't want to – get into any political talk <laughs> no i mean i wasn't talking about that obviously i'm talking about you know talking about ancient history here i am uh i'm taking virginia i like you know i've been kind of the foremost virginia advocate on this podcast i really like bryce perkins i i i'm i'm rode with the who's were you watching that play he made last week against florida state when he kind of just like Dan, he like rolled one way for the two point conversion. They kind of just like ended up like walking into the end zone after yeah. running all over the field. I sure did, and that you know, <laughs> we want, I mean, I think a lot of people gave up on pursuit <laughs> that one, and yeah, that was that tough. was that was a good play. Uh, all right, now this is a game that's that I find really interesting. Clemson and Charlotte. I've been riding the old Charlotte bandwagon. I think Will Healy. He's going to be one of these guys that is one of the hot coaches. Uh, maybe not this year, but in a couple of years. Clemson is a huge favorite, of course. A lot of people are saying they need to have, you know, people, by the way, are just killing Trevor Lawrence. Have you heard that? Yeah, it's over now. He's the worst player ever. You know, people are having second thoughts about him. First of all, no one is having second thoughts about him. He could not play another game for the entire next year and a half, and he'd be the number one pick in the draft. So stop it, okay? It's just ridiculous. But it's 41 and a half. If If it were 42, I would take... I would definitely take uh, Charlotte. I think I think this is a game that's going to be a, kind of like a fifty-six to fourteen. I really like uh, the over here, but I'm going to take Clemson uh, with the six touchdown spread there. Nah, I'm with you. I but, got nothing else to say other than the talent discrepancy in Trev. You know, Clem- uh, Charlotte has uh, a really good running back, and his dad, uh, his name is uh, Benny Lemay, and I think both of his older brothers went to Georgia and kind of washed out. One of them was a quarterback. And the dad was just relentless, especially when the kid was in high school, about the, the son and how good he was. He's the best one, blah, blah, blah. And we all kind of just blew him off because the other ones uh, had sort of burned us. And, boy, he's, really, he's actually really good. He's going to be in the NFL. He called it on that one. He's got uh, 46 carries for 351 yards uh, so far this season, which is a, a pretty good game through three uh, pretty good numbers, you know, through three seasons. So, big shout to to Benny Lemay. Uh, ju- he's a junior, so I, I watch him. He's going to put up some numbers against Clemson. All right, uh, moving on. He had twelve hundred twenty eight yards last year, too. By the way, uh, Texas Oklahoma State. Now, this one, Rob, is very intriguing to me. Texas is a, a home favorite, of course. The number now is uh, five and a half. It, it was six earlier. People like Oklahoma State here. I like Oklahoma State. When this initially came out, I was like, I might like them outright, but I've sort of talked myself out of it. What do you think? I'm taking the horns. I, Oklahoma State, the offense is great. 
I, I love, you know, Gagundi, obviously. I just don't think they have the talent that they've had there at the skill positions in the past. It seems like the wide receivers aren't as fast as they have been. Uh, they might be a year away from being, you know, kind of the the team that we got used to a few years back. I, I think Texas will cover that. So I really didn't like uh, Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State quarterback, as a prospect in high school. I thought he was kind of like a a glorified tight end or something. I was really down you, on you, know, you don't really have to do a lot there. The way that Gundy runs that thing is you get the ball out quick and, and, and hope for the best. You know, he's going to throw the ball 50 times a game. And... Right. He's putting up huge numbers, though. I mean, but I just think if I could just see myself being like, oh, yeah, look, Spencer Sanders is putting up huge numbers, and then he comes and plays a really good team and then gets hammered. So, uh, I, I, like I said, initially really liked – Oklahoma State, but I have uh, since talked myself out of it, so I'm taking Texas too. Uh, by the way, you know I took Rice last week. Did you see what happened? How they lost, how they didn't cover? No, I did not pay any attention to so, that. One. So Rice scored with like a minute left to cover, and you're like, okay, game over. They kick off and Texas returns it for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a 31 and a half point spread or something. So I got burned by my old. I burned my Rice. Um, now, what, probably the. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the game of the week. Notre Dame traveling to Georgia. Uh, Notre Dame is the number seven team in the country, okay? And they're a 14-and-a-half-point underdog. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> I don't think I believe that they're the seventh-best team in the country. But well, I'm yeah. just saying, based on where, clearly uh, Las Vegas does not believe so. I am taking the dogs. and I, Yeah, I you know, in, in Athens, a massive atmosphere – I don't think Notre Dame's the team that they were a year ago. I think they're pretty good, but I think there's a discrepancy here. I, I, I can just see them having trouble shutting down the run against George. I don't think Jake Fromm's going to have to do a ton. Uh, I think George will eat him up on the ground. Yeah, this one's going to be a blowout in my opinion. I think I, I feel super confident about this game as well. I heard another podcast saying, oh, Chase Claypool, if he can get loose against the Georgia secondary. I was like, okay, that's all I need to hear. Well, Chase Claypool's the key. Their starting it. running back is Tony – speaking of nightmare fathers, Tony <laughs> Jones Jr. is the uh, is the starting quarterback – is the starting running back for Notre Dame this year. Yeah, he's – I like the kid. He was he was good at IMG. I always liked the kid. Um, dad was a little overbearing. But, you know, I think he's good. I mean, I just don't think you know, he's over his head. The whole team's in over the head against Georgia, I think. The issue is Georgia just has so much more speed. I mean, we saw Notre Dame struggle with Louisville. And uh, the, Georgia has just so – I mean, they have waves of running backs to send at you. Yeah, I know. They, James Cook is like the third – the third one is Dalvin Cook's little brother. You know, that's right. You know. They have four NFL running backs on their roster right now. And, and, and they probably have, considering – they probably have three NFL wide receivers with the way George Pickens has looked so far. And, of course, you know, we forget about Demetrius Robertson, who, you know, was one of, was an amazing high school player and had a great year at Cal. He's been slow at Georgia to, to really take off. But, I mean, when you're talking about you've got, you know, five-star juniors or whatever kind of in a role-player role, I mean, Demetrius Robertson would be – sorry, no offense to Chase Claypool <laughs> – <laughs> Demetrius Robertson would be Notre Dame's number one receiver. So uh, I like the dogs big. All right, next up, oh, Pac-12 after dark. Colorado traveling to Arizona State. Arizona State a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I'm taking Colorado even though they burned me last week. I, I don't trust I don't trust uh, Arizona State. Actually, it's up to eight-and-a-half now. I don't trust Arizona State to blow out anybody. I'm taking the Devils. I, I've been riding with them all year. They, they, were, they looked good last week. Um, 
Yeah, give me Arizona State. Uh, no way. I, didn't they win like six? You know, who did they play that one week? It was like Sacramento <laughs> Somebody State. terrible, yeah. Sacramento State. They won 19, 19 to 7 or something like right. that. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't. I just, I just can't trust them to blow anybody. I remember turning on the game and being like, what team? I didn't know the abbreviation. That's a But, I mean, here's the thing with them. They're 3-0. That division, they're going to win that division, right? Like, who? Who's it's them with Utah. That? Yeah, Utah. I mean, it's it's slim pickings, right? So, they, I mean, they've got a shot there. I, I think they can get this win. I don't think Colorado is imposing by any stretch of the imagination. No, I agree. All right. And uh, wrapping it up, UCLA. Boy, what a brutal schedule for UCLA. They traveled to Washington State. Oh, oh, baby. Poor poor Bruins. Poor Chip Kelly. We're going to talk about him a little bit. The Cougars, 18.5 point favorites. I think we both like Wazoo here. Yes. Uh, so let's let's roll right in. Those are our picks. Like I said, uh, you know, we will we take accountability on this podcast. We don't just throw out picks and not give you our record. So uh, we'll see how we do this week. I got a good feeling about this week. It's a great slate of games. Uh, let's roll into Chip Kelly. So Chip Kelly was all over the news this week uh, because people keep asking him why he's not running his Oregon offense, and he he basically said that you know all football evolves. Um, things are different. Uh, he said it's, t- it's two totally different operations. That was 2012. They had a lot of success with a single wing in the 1930s, too. <laughs> I think is a little bit uh, <laughs> off, <laughs> off base. Uh, I never said we, when we came here that we were going to run the offense. We ran when we were at Oregon, so I don't know why that continues to come up as a question. Now, um, here's, the, here's the biggest issue that I have with this approach from Chip Kelly. Uh, UCF basically runs that offense, uh, which, you know, Scott Frost brought in and they, they sort of evolved since then. And clearly it still works. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, and I know a lot of teams run it, uh, you know, different variations of it, the hurry up and things like that. But the reason why it worked at Oregon was he obviously had great skill position players, but, but he was always able to put his quarterbacks in situations to succeed. And, Running this like RPO, you know, pro offense, it just it doesn't look right to me when you watch that. They it just it's not creative. Let me simplify this, bro. You have twenty eight points in three games, <laughs> like, or more. They've scored fourteen points in each of the first three games. The offense is, I mean, it's got to be better than whatever you're running, right? <laughs> I mean, it's I, I don't know. I, I think that he's desperate. I think that it's. You know, we do a lot of talking about Jeremy Pruitt and Willie Taggart being in trouble. It's possible that UCLA is as big, if not a bigger disaster, than either one of those two schools, right? Well, my issue – here's my issue with Chip. If you didn't want to coach, then why did you come back? You know, he doesn't want to recruit. The, the recruiting situation and, – and people, you know, go on and on. Oh, he didn't have elite recruits at Oregon. Okay, go – name me Oregon's best players from that run, and I'll tell you that they were all ranked high. I'm sorry. Darren Thomas, four-star. DeAnthony Thomas, five-star. LaMichael James, four-star. I mean, these were not like schlub players that, you know, nobody wanted. I, I nobody wrote that story them. at the beginning of the year, and it's coming back to Honor. At the beginning of his tenure, where recruits were like, the, the approach that he's taking there is that he wants, when Chip Kelly calls you, to be a big deal. So he doesn't talk to recruits, except at the end, to close. Well, that's all fine and great if you're Alabama or something. But to just not recruit any players until the end is insane. Well, and, and some of these guys, that, that's not the, the only, pro, the other problem is, 
you know, like, I understand he unearthed a lot of good players. There's a lot of players that he recruited in Oregon that were underrated, that they found and kind of had superior evals on. And these were guys that we didn't know about. There was there's a lineman from Michigan. Uh, I think his name was Eric Fisher. Anyway, he ended, he ended up being a high NFL draft pick, and he was a guy that we really didn't know about. So sometimes they find these guys that, like, okay, they were unranked or whatever, and they went and did an, an evaluation on them and found them. That, that's, that's, they're trying to do that again. You're in L.A. Like, you don't need to do that. You're not at Oregon anymore. Like you said, things change. You're in L.A. Just go drive around. <laughs> like, you don't have to go to Tennessee and take some – I didn't even realize. They have a running back on their roster from Tennessee who is like some track champion, which is, which is great. You want to get speed, sure, fine. But you're telling me, oh, he's the Tennessee state, state track champ, and they took him as a late guy. I'm like, mate, you can't find someone that's fast like that that's in L.A.? Yeah, how many of those guys do you think he flew over to? Right. Like, what are you doing? And, and a lot of it had to do – I think one of the things – that goes uh, that really goes undiscussed with Chip and his recruiting efforts is you know he was very connected with uh, Willie Lyles and other important people in the state of Texas who helped him recruit and find players and get players that were ranked high. Now he got in trouble for that because <laughs> if he wrote that check, which uh, <laughs> Lackford is quick to bring up about how he wrote a check, how do you really write a check? You know, uh, but I. Nobody, do you know any, we know, we know all the shadiest people in this industry. <laughs> like yeah, in every industry. single one of them. Yes. Right. We know them and they know us. And not one of them has said, Hey, I talked to Chip Kelly and they love to name drop coaches. Yeah. It's possible. He's gone too straight and narrow. Right. I mean, because there's no reason that they shouldn't be getting players in LA. I'm sorry. There's just, and, and, and I'm not talking about, okay, so what? They don't get five stars. He, he definitely is a good talent evaluator. You're telling me he can't find guys uh, like the guys that are going up to Oregon and, and starting as, you know, guys that were four stars outside the 250 and stuff like that? Come on. No, it's time for Chip to reach out and touch a handler, you know? It's, right. It's, uh, come on. Exactly. Now. I mean, people ask me, hey, do you, who do you talk to at UCLA? I'm like, nobody, man. I have no, I have no contact there. Say what you want about the old UCLA staff. They were the best when it came to, like, media access. I remember covering their camp one year. And you know as well as I do, some of these camps are like, you know, they're very worried about NCAA compliance and what they think and, you know, how reporters can report on the camps. UCLA used to let us walk around in the field and hand us rosters. Oh, if you want to pull somebody out of a drill, go ahead and get them. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was like covering a rival's camp. Under and that's Mora. how it should be everywhere because there are no NCAA that's made up. You know, meanwhile, they're slipping money to coaches to bring kids to the camp and go out on the field and act like they're coaching. But their compliance people are worried about us taking notes or asking a kid what their name is. Come on. Yeah, like, it's, what, it's what a little a, weird. And some schools are better than others. You know who else is really good is Lane. He doesn't really care what you do. Uh, on the yeah. other end of that spectrum, Charlie Strong is a disaster. Um, <laughs> right, Auburn, is re- Auburn has been really good about it. Um, Mississippi Tech, State is really good about it. Yeah, Georgia Tech treated me like a king when I when I went there, when I was there. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, shout out to K State too is becoming good about it now under this new staff. From what I hear, is they're letting people cover their camps now and kind of opening it up. Yeah, it's it's only going to help you. Like I understand we're really annoying nerd recruiting reporters. Uh, there's a lot of bad ones out there. We're just trying to do our job. Like just let us go. And write about how the kid did well at your camp, and the kid's going to like your school more because of it. I'm sorry. It's just a fact. Yeah, I always want to tell people, like, 
does any part of you think that I want to be here? Right. <laughs> I mean, what, what part of you thinks this? This is not something I've elected to do for no reason. So I showed up at a game in Nashville last week, and I wasn't on the list. And I was like, and I had my media badge on, and I was like, come on, dude. He's like, I was like, I was like, all these coaches and players, they know who I am. He's like, oh, I know who you are. And I'm like, well, then let me in the game. What, what are you talking about? You know who I am. You know? <laughs> yeah, the, you know, ever since I had to be escorted by the police to my car and... <laughs> At a game in Alabama for throwing a fit, uh, I've been a little bit more careful about calling ahead. Uh, well, I mean, with the amount of emails that this certain school sends me, with every time they have a press release about boys swimming and stuff like that, you think they would have let me in? But I did get in after you know I was like, you know, come, come on, I was like, I'll pay you the money and I'll go walk, walk right down on the sideline. But my favorite it. line is, do you think that I sneak into high school football games? <laughs> I spend my Friday nights. Right. Like, yeah, I put this is what I want to do: is sneak into a high school football game without paying. This is what I want to be. I put on a bunch of clothes that say "Rivals." I made a for. I forged a uh, badge, a media <laughs> credential. I carry around a backpack with fifty pounds worth of equipment. Also, I can get in and stand there and watch the game. Yeah, and see the local running back really, you know, go for thirty-five right. yards against the, the rivals. All right, so moving on to California, we kind of skipped over this uh, a couple weeks ago. We should have talked about it. Uh, there's, a, you know, there's a big thing going on right now with this bill that was passed uh, in California, allowing college athletes to uh, make money off their likenesses. It's now on the desk of the governor. He has to decide to sign it or not. This has kind of turned into a stare down. I think South Carolina has a similar one they're working on. Some other states have proposed it as well. There's kind of a stare down between the NCAA saying they will kick the teams out if they do it or whatever. That's not, and it also won't go into effect for a few years if it does pass. First of all, the NCAA is not going to kick out you know USC and teams. That it's not well, that's what people need to understand is that the, the NCAA is the member institutions, right? So it's, they'd have to vote. Like everybody would, all the other schools would have to vote to kick them out, pretty much. Right. And who's going to do that? <laughs> Right, and what what would probably happen is the is they would just say, "Look, if the kids take money, they can't pay, they can't play for you." You know, like they have the right legally to make money, but we also have the right to say that they're ineligible. So that would be kind of the thing. But the issue I have is, and a lot of people, I definitely think that players should be able to make money off their likenesses. Now, it's weird because the pro player people are saying, "Well, look, this is this still isn't fair enough because." Oh, they're only allowed to make a little bit of money on their own, right? That's so. So people who are in favor of paying players are against it, and then you have other people like Tim Tebow, who came out and had one of his famous rants about Mets prospect Tim Tebow. Yeah, did yeah did you did you hear his rant he did about it? I did not listen to it. I saw the bullet points. I it was I can't. I mean, yeah. When I saw the bullet points, I knew I would never watch it. Right, exactly. Some some videos like that. Ladford sent us a video of Colin, uh, Colin Coward asking Urban Meyer why he didn't recruit Joe Burrow. <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is the thing that I've pledged to myself recently, Woody. Is I'm trying to not watch as much content that I know is just going to make me roll my eyes because I can right. spend all day. I mean, I feel like I spent half of my life being like, oh, God. So if I know something's going to be that, I just don't. I just don't engage. That's my right. thing. We'll see how long I can stick to that. Exactly. Um, so, so anyway, here's what I think people are skipping. The people who are like, and because one of the parts of the bill is that, like, if USC has a deal with Nike, then Amon Ross St. Brown can't have a deal with Adidas. Like, the school's endorsement deals take precedence over individual deals that the kids could get. Mm-hmm. Now, 
here's where people are realizing. And then other people are saying, only two or three kids on the team are going to be able to make money. You know, the quarterback and the running back. That's it. Now, here's what old people who are washed losers, much like ourselves, we're just slightly less washed, are realizing that every single one of these kids' social media accounts are worth thousands and thousands of dollars. Every single player basically on USC's roster has enough followers that they could make money right now just doing BS ads on their feeds, correct? Yep. Now, people don't know this happens. I don't think that 50-year-old sports reporters realize that, like, there are several men and women out there making money by putting skincare ads on their feeds or discount codes for bikinis or supplements. Yeah, the, the influencer uh, the influencer right. generation, yeah. So it, it brings me to like, okay, Justin Flo is a, is a pretty – actually, you know what? You pick, pick a let's, – let's go to Drew Richmond. Okay, he's an offensive lineman. He played at USC, was a five-star. He's got 3,100 followers, right? He's kind of one of the last people – of that generation before Instagram really blew up. Justin Flo right now has 115,000 followers on Insta on, on Instagram. Do you, yep. do you know how much a sponsored post would go for right now? If he said, Hey, uh, go to this restaurant, do this. I mean, yeah, especially if it's like local, right? Like if you're, if he's at, let's assume he's at Georgia or something and it's like, go to, you know, so-and-so is Southern restaurant. Yeah. You could get paid for that. And that's what people are free. That's what people are leaving out of this discussion about. Now, I think players deserve a share of the money. There's no doubt in my mind. But I, I also think that like this is a nice gateway, and maybe it could go farther. But to put a, to think that like, well, the only way they could make money is by talking about shoes. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Company. Yeah. You could talk about mouthpieces. You could talk about rest car dealerships. What's going to be funny is when this happens because it's going to self-regulate if it happens, right? And it's going to be like some some company gives like the Alfano kid a sponsorship and then he vanishes from campus. <laughs> but they right. can't get out of it because they've already signed this deal with him or whatever because that happens all the time. All these five-star busts. They're like, oh, people use these deals to recruit them. And maybe they will, you know, maybe a local dealership in, in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama will pay some kid $100,000 for an endorsement deal, air quotes, to get him on campus. But it's going to be great when they do that and then the kid gets kicked out of school in three days or something and they're on the hook for a hundred grand. Or I mean, that, that will end that practice immediately. Also, uh, you and I both know from when a kid tells us they're going to – if you don't have like a marketing team and stuff holding someone accountable, if you – it like – <laughs> if, if, if Justin Flo says he's going to post something at five o'clock, <laughs> yeah. the, the the chances of him posting it at five o'clock are about one percent. It could be anywhere from noon a week from now right. to, to a week from now. Yeah, there was and, a then five, and then you know he'll he'll text the marketing company back. Oh, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. It's like it's uh, been two weeks. What do you mean he fell asleep? <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep. Changed my mind. Uh, there is a well, so the one that that really brings it up to me is like there was a there's a five star uncommitted player right now I'm gonna get two behind the scenes who was supposed to announce a commitment a couple of weeks ago to the point where we had everything prepared right we had yeah. a video stories we had, we had stories in the, the yeah everything's ready to roll and the kid was supposed to announce like in the morning and then it was like oh somebody's wait, someone's waiting to, to go to lunch. Uh, 
but but they're waiting for him to announce so they can go to lunch. <laughs> it was like, all right, you better go to you could go to lunch. You could go to dinner. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and by the end of the day, it went from the kids going to announce today to uh, he doesn't have any idea what you're talking about. He was never going to announce. <laughs> but so uh, Robert Simmons, I don't mind putting his name out there because I joked about this with him. He uh, he's a kid, a 2020 kid that just committed to Virginia Tech. And he was supposed to do it like two weeks ago, and we talked about it, and I got everything ready. And he's like, I'm going to do it right after church. He was in church for two weeks. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, all right. Okay. That's one of the things that would definitely be an issue. But I think this is a good first step. This definitely opens the door to – and, of course, LeBron was involved. This opens the door to – which, by the way, is another way to make money. You're telling me – that a lot of these, I mean, we have players now with personal videographers going with them on recruiting visits. You're telling me LeBron wouldn't pay, you know, we'll use Justin Flogan as the example, to have a series on uninterrupted going through his recruitment process? Yeah, no, that's the other thing. There'd be a lot of reality shows, I think, my friend. Right, exactly. We think, about how popular, think about how popular QB1 is and how popular uh, Last Chance U is, and let's... Now think, you know, it's about a five-star prospect that everybody in the country wants. Uh, people are going to watch that. Right, exactly. So, uh, all right, moving on. Uh, our boy Antonio Alfano, which, by the way, Adam Friedman. <laughs> Who could have gotten a, a six-figure deal out of high school just to vanish on the team. Right, so, so Adam Friedman calls me last week just all fired up. You and Rob don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say this. I didn't say I that. I thought this was about McFarland. It was about both. Well, he was making fun of me that we said that I said Anthony initially instead of Antonio, but it's the same name. Well, the point is, first of all, I'd like to absolve myself. I never said anything. I couldn't remember who the guy was. So Friedman's beef is with you. Okay, listen, Adam Friedman, you're the king of revisionist history. Okay, I'll let you come on here and defend yourself. I wish I had recorded those rankings calls because he was relentlessly made fun of on every call, which I usually lead the charge on and sometimes get in trouble for, about McFarland and how he was going. He's probably going to go to Alabama. Now, at the end, it was down to Miami and Maryland, and we always knew he was going to Maryland because he was always going to Maryland from the beginning. I can't remember any of this for some reason. Well, because you check out on the rankings calls frequently when your guys are done. Uh, and I, I for some reason, pay attention. So, anyway, the bottom line is Antonio Alfano, now MIA, and last night Nick Saban. <laughs> i got to look up the video. I want to play this kind of vanished. Yeah. Uh, so he said he kind of disappeared, which <laughs> which we were making fun of. because it Which was is like, just great verbiage. To the point, like, is it a missing persons thing? Not just, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, he hasn't been at practice. He's not with us. He's kind of disappeared. It's incredible So this verbiage. week, uh, last night, he says the guy basically quit. Now, I believe we have some audio. Here. You ready for it? Oh, no, never mind. We got a 10-minute clip. Forget it. I'm going to read the quote. I just love the way Sabins talks. Uh, uh, he said, I just know that the guy basically quit, Saban said. He quit going to class. He quit coming here. We tried to encourage him. We tried to help him. We tried to set up counseling sessions with him to help him every way we could. And all those things are still available to him if he wants them, but he didn't respond to any of the things. So until he responds, you have to assume the guy quit. Now, it, it came out after we recorded last week's episode that his grandmother was sick and he's having a hard time. He's close to his grandma. 
bottom line is, you know, obviously we're not trying to make light of any personal situations with grandmas and whatnot. He's gone. He's a goner. There's, this is never going to work out at Alabama, right? No, I, I can't. I, it doesn't seem like Saban needs him badly enough, you know, as sad as that is. Now, I'm surprised his name's not in the transfer portal yet. So maybe he still thinks there's a chance it works out there. Somebody obviously thinks there is. Yeah, I, I just think uh, our boy Tony Tsukalis, which he doesn't – I don't know if he pronounces it. <laughs> Tony's from Alabama. I don't think he pronounces it like that, but I believe that's the proper pronunciation. says – this one looks done and dusted, which is an expression I don't know if I've ever heard. Have you heard that one before? It sounds very obvious. It's obvious from his comments. Wednesday night, Saban's grown frustrated with the Alfano situation. He's handed out several chances in the past. It doesn't appear this five-star freshman is keen on taking one. So he doesn't, he doesn't ever see him playing for Alabama, and I agree. I just think, you know, we saw this with the other linebacker who ended up transferring to Houston, I think, who was in and out of the portal. Uh, look, Nick Saban ain't got time for this in the middle of the season. Yeah, no. And the thing, the thing is, it's not that he doesn't have time; it's that he doesn't need the guy. Like, if he was at Maryland or somewhere where the talent isn't as deep, maybe there'd be a chance that the coaching staff would fight for him and get him back on the roster. But this, yeah, it's too easy for Nick Saban to cut bait, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's a. Uh, he's going to go to Rutgers. He should go back home. Guess what? Not everybody. Go Not everybody Rutgers. is meant to go. It's a it's it's a culture shock to be a, a north. Imagine Rob. Imagine yourself being a northeast Italian as a teenager. Oh, yeah, yeah, and being sent to <laughs> right, Alabama. What was it? You moved from New York, basically New York City, to Kansas, right? At what age? Yes, uh, when I was going when I was young, but the, well, not that young in in the middle of school. So I was pulled out of school. Uh, and did that. But the difference is with the South. The Midwest and the South are very different. Right, but it's still a culture shock. Um, it is in, to an extent, I guess. But you and I have talked about this before. Even covering the regions that we cover, people look at me a little different when I'm in like Mississippi or Alabama. Like, I don't want to say that they don't like me, but at first, the, <laughs> there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely a barrier there, and I think you've experienced the same thing, even being from Oregon. Like, being a Yankee is a real thing in some well, places. So, I, because my mom's from New York, and a lot of my family is you know Italian, especially the ones I grew up around. Uh, people often say like, "Oh, you talk like a Yankee. You talk fast, or whatever." We, we so I stick out, even though I'm. Oh. See, you don't get that in the Midwest, right? People aren't saying. No, I think you would in like maybe in like in Oklahoma or something, or but in Kansas or like Missouri or even like Minnesota, you're not going to get that. That's the difference. You will get it in Mississippi and Alabama, and even in Georgia. To some so extent. one of the knocks on there were you know the classic uh, red flags people are always talking about with Alfano, and I had never I had never met him. I went to the Army game or excuse me the whatever they call it in San Antonio game. Uh, he was playing in it, and I met him, and it was one of those situations where I got, I, I went to some, like, gala thing, and he got there early, and we were kind of just hanging out, you know, BSing, and he seemed like, I didn't mm-hmm. get the, you know, obviously I'm not going to give you the old good player, better person thing, but, like, the way people described him and the way he was when I met him, I was like, it seems like a you know regular, just a regular kid, and no different than any other recruit. It doesn't seem like you know that there's these issues that people are talking about. But you know, go back home, man. Go back home. Get, every Sunday, you could go home to mom's, have Sunday sauce, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that we've just decided he's some sort of Italian because there's a No, he's, he's he is one hundred percent Italian. His dad that put out the statement, uh actually his parents I believe have a shared Twitter account which was speaking about a red flag. <laughs> yeah, no that after everything we that's yeah, that's where okay, I would have dropped. So anyway, uh, we wish everything, we wish him the best of luck. His name is Antonio, but could you explain to Friedman that Antonio and Anthony are basically interchangeable names as well? Yes, you can. Those are yeah. I know a couple Antonios that go okay, by Anthony. So take that. Why I did not know that was the thing. Oh, either. Friedman was mad that I called him Anthony instead of Antonio. Well, I'm telling you what, you picking on Friedman on this podcast is really becoming. I don't want to be. I don't want to be grouped in with your bullying. Your cyber. <laughs> well, he cyber bullied me face to face. No, he did. He got you good. Uh, boy, speaking of uh, outside the line storylines update here, UCLA athletic director Dan Guerrero retired June 30th, 2020. So, boy. Did you say yeah. UCLA? Chip's done. Yeah, this is, that's not a good sign. But that, my guess would be Chip gets one more year. Um, well, yeah, but if I had to put – if you had to put a percentage on <laughs> – will he ever win – will he be there long – will he ever win nine games at UCLA? No, no. I, coming into the year, you know, but, uh, one of our friend Blair, big shout Blair – is uh you know closely tied with UCLA, and and I hit him up before the year. And I said, "Man, UCLA over five and a half wins uh, looks pretty tasty," because at the end of the year last year they they were way better. They beat USC. They played really tough in a lot of other games. <laughs> what did Blair said? Mm-hmm. Blair said, eh. <laughs> "Yeah, that's what this should have been your right." First and I tip. I took his advice on that one, but yeah, and I I personally think. I think these coaches that were hired in that offseason in 2017, I think after next year you're going to see a lot of them be gone. I mean, I, I – If I would have told you when all this was happening that both Chip Kelly and Willie Taggart were going to be not looking so good in year two, would you have believed me? Yeah, it would have been a tough sell. Do you, but do you think so, – so Chip was supposed to go – You know, he was going to take the Florida job, everybody thought. Do you think if he went to Florida, things would be different? Well, yeah, because Dan Mullen would be at Tennessee. Oh boy, everybody'd be better off. I know. <laughs> I think that. Right. I mean that that that's true. Correct. <laughs> yes, probably. I I don't know. You can't put anything on Tennessee hiring anyone. I can't say about. I can't with the way that search went at that time. But do you think Chip would be different if he went into a situation like Florida that already already had a lot better players? No, because if he was gonna, if he was gonna always use this cute, imagine him using this cute recruiting strategy of not talking to players on kids from Florida. They would tell him I, the, he would probably get cussed out by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would definitely would have been cussed out by a lot of handlers for sure. But also, hey, maybe he would have those handler relationships uh, and he'd be recruiting better. I don't know. I it's a lot of what ifs, old sliding door thing, whatever. But. Uh, Anyway, all right, moving on. We need to hurry up, wrap it up. You got a flight today. Rob's going, you're going to San Francisco this weekend? Yeah, to watch a boxing match. We can get into that. All right, well, you know, (laughs) I wanted to talk about Manny Diaz and committed recruits not taking visits, but we've done that story a million times. It's not going to work. And if a good player wants to commit there and still take visits, they're going to take them. They're not Iowa, right? No, this only works at Clemson for some reason. Okay, so let's not pretend that in. Let's not pretend that's true. Now, in terms of Tweet of the Week, we did want to do – I wanted to let you talk about your plane tickets tweet. Do you want to talk about it? 
I do, because I'm obsessed with it, and I check in on it every day. Let's check in to see how it's doing now. There is a tweet that seems to be stolen, possibly, (laughs) and I don't understand why you would steal this tweet. Uh, Hold on, let me find it, so I can credit the person that stole it. This serves as a rant and a tweet of the week, by the way. Because it's it's complete. It's either I'm the most washed person on the planet, (laughs) which is possible. I can't find it now. Just search if plane tickets were free. (laughs) Oh, but everybody's stealing it. I can't find the original one. Hold on. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So Rob's been obsessed with this for about two weeks. Yeah, about two weeks. I did enjoy. Oh, found it. it. So it's 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 tweeted by an account uh, at recraved r e c r a v e d, and the tweet is simple. And it says, "If plane tickets were free, you would never see me." That's it. That's the tweet. A hundred and seventy-seven point nine thousand likes on that. <laughs> Am I missing something? <laughs> like, is is it like a joke about a meme or like some kind of inside joke? Uh, it, that's it. That's the that's the tweet. Uh, One hundred eighty thousand likes for if plane tickets were free, you would never see me. <laughs> I, I don't. I've convinced myself that this must be some kind of like Generation Z humor that I'm too old to understand. Because if that's it, Twitter's over. I'm, I'm done. If, if that's what's doing numbers on this app now, I'm, I'm turning it in. So there are a lot of things like this where sometimes it happens and then it turns out to be, it turns out to be like a song lyric or something. Right, where we didn't know what it was, and it's, it turns out to be a, a, But even if it's a song lyric, 180,000 likes for a song lyric? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. If, first this, of, is a, this is a, one of the greatest mysteries since, you know, since the Hardy Boys. Could how you, this happened? Could you imagine if plane tickets were free, how many, like, there would be uh, homeless people on planes? <laughs> Flying, I would never fly in the West Coast. Forget it. Those travelers that move up and down I five, uh, no way. <laughs> I I almost want to have this person on the show. Maybe I should. Maybe we should have her on next week. I should reach out to her so she can explain to me if we're missing something here. So if, if Rob's missing something, please tell him. Now I've got a few more tweets. Okay, uh, this one comes from Ron Clements, who's verified NFL reporter since two thousand nine. Uh, is it a video? Is it grainy video of an offensive lineman blocking? Traveler, author of Home Run on Wheels, which I don't know what that is. Wisconsin native, former Marine, so a kinship to Lacker. Oh, oh, we're really checking all the boxes. ECU grad, trivia junkie, writer for hire. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Ron tweets, which is, you want to talk about washed, what the most washed person alive? Sorry, Ron, you win the crown. He tweets this and says, so little Tucci, who is little Wayne, right, mm-hmm. backed out of his St. Louis show because he and his friends were smoking pot in a non-smoking building. Uh, then smoking felt marijuana cigarettes. Yeah. Then felt disrespected because of the complaints about the smell and that the police were called over the illegal substance. Substance. Make maybe make better life choices, dude. <laughs> I'm sure little Wayne is crushed. So, so Ron was going to go to the concert. It gets, it gets, <laughs> he was going to the Little Wayne show. He was going to a Little Wayne show, which, by the way, if you've ever been to see Little Wayne or any other rap show, everyone in the audience smokes pot the entire time, correct? Yeah, yes. I mean, not everyone, but you cannot be there and not have just plumes of smoke 
everywhere. Okay, yeah, this is at every... smoked mar- somebody that smoked marijuana at a lot of rap shows. I can I can attest to that. <laughs> right. I remember when I was I went to the Up and Smoke tour when I was in high school. When, you know, well, yeah. right. But I mean, you're talking about something that's in a in an arena where they search you ahead of time, right? Sure, but they're, yeah, they're not searching you for for marijuana for marijuana cigarettes, right? But I mean, okay, so Ron, you you were gonna go to the Little Wayne concert, dude. <laughs> Uh, he was uh, smoking pot, and, 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 and I was like, uh, "This is what rappers do." Who called the cops? Is the is the? Oh, he was smoking in a non-smoking building. Yeah, that's yeah. Who did? What state was this in? Do we know? Uh, this is in. He tweeted this from Ladue, Missouri. Um, this was a same. Lil Wayne was doing a show, and oh, okay, that makes sense. It was insane. Yeah, he's on a tour with Blink One Eighty Two right now, so it was probably one of those people. So somebody responded and said, "What's worse is no one made him leave or even asked them to stop smoking. They just asked them to open a window. Even special treatment isn't special enough for this guy. Boy, Lil Wayne just doesn't fit in with these Midwest sensibilities, huh?" <laughs> somebody told me one of my friends said this last week, and I get a pretty good kick out of it. He's like, every time. <laughs> the only thing that like he sees all these people on his timeline that are NFL experts he's never heard of, and he's like, Does, nobody likes tweeting about pre-snap coverages more than NFL reporters I've never <laughs> never heard of. <laughs> the text the text was this defensive end knows where the ball's going before the quarterback. A thread one of seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that yeah, we're having a lot of we, Rob and I've been having a field day with that offline. Okay, next one. This is a good one that you're really going to enjoy. I kind of wish we had Lackford on to talk about here. So, Diana, ESPN, NFL reporter and host, former George Mason soccer player and an Italian girl from Jersey. Okay, so we have the Doug. We saw this Doug Marone, Jalen Ramsey sideline dust up. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. I did. Okay, so that was a that was definitely a, now he's demanding a trade, which I can tell you guys all kinds of Jalen Ramsey as a recruit stories. <laughs> I I loved him. I remember him at the five star. That's the thing. Jalen Ramsey has always been this guy. It's not like it's been like <laughs> I think people think that he got rich and it went to his head, and this is just like you know he's this prima donna rich guy. When Jalen Ramsey was poor and in high school, he was this exact same person. It right. has not changed. And I got news for you. Guess what? His dad is still the same person he was in high school. Uh, when, when I started, so when I started this job in July of 2012, I believe the next month was when we broadcast Jalen Ramsey committing to USC, and there was like an audio problem on the live stream. Yeah, and I, mean, I remember. I, somehow I just got blamed for it by Jalen Ramsey and his dad. And and the entire time, he was complaining about his – he finishes the number 10 overall player and was still angry about being ranked behind uh, Vernon Hargraves and uh, one of those brothers from Virginia Tech. I forget which one. Um, but anyway, so – NFL Update tweets the video of the dust-up, and our girl Diana says, Doug Marone went to high school. Doug Marone is the Jaguars coach. Doug Marone went to high school with my uncles and dad. They are all from the same neighborhood in the Bronx. I'd suggest avoid confrontation with him at all costs, speaking from lots of experience. So, what, yeah, what are we supposed to be implying there? So, so she's basically saying that A, Doug Marone could beat up Jalen Ramsey, a professional NFL football player. B, lots of experience. Have you fought Doug Marone? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I hope there's video of that. Okay, so it gets retweeted by uh, Ryan Eats Cake is his handle. Follow. I don't know. He works for Social at Big Cat Country, which is, I believe, one of these SB Nation sites. Okay. And he says, 
Diana, I mean no respect, but Jalen Ramsey would wash your uncles and dad and Doug Marone. <laughs> Which is probably true. I'm taking, taking Jalen in the fight there, and I think the line's like minus 850. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm looking at a picture of Doug Marone right now. It's, you know, beating up professional athletes is tough. Yeah, um, yeah, you know. Bill Trochi is asking me about it. I also think, is there something, and maybe I'm being too sensitive here, of you don't want to, like, is she kind of like an Italian guy from the Bronx? Maybe Is she kind of implying that he's tied in here? Oh, I don't know. You always are, you know, your mother has conditioned you to read things in. Uh, yeah, that people, but I mean, it, my mother, who's, I think we've gone over this on this podcast, is very sensitive when it comes to defamation of Italian-Americans, and so maybe it is beat into my brain to kind of look for these things, but doesn't it kind of seem like she's saying, you know, he's an Italian guy from the Bronx, might not uh, want to mess well, with him. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, I that's like that's that. what I think's happening there, and that's terrible if that's what she's doing. All right, last one. Rob, this is one of your tweets. Can you believe it? So, Rob ah, Cassidy, wait. our co-host, tweets on September 13th. Now, this shows, Rob, this shows that you've only, you've only lived in Miami. You love Miami, you represent the city, but you have only lived there for four years, correct? Mm-hmm. Going on five. Okay, so Rob tweets, saw an ad for a DJ named Ronnie Cycli playing someplace in Miami and was like, that's weird. Some techno act is using the name of long-retired Lebanese NBA player. A Google search informs me it's simpler than that. Ronnie Cycli's post-NBA career is EDM DJ. You knew that. Bossy knew that. Yes. I did not know that. So Bossy responds, Eric Bossy, who covers basketball for us, Rob, nice of you to join the rest of us in 2006. <laughs> Just a good one. <laughs> he, he, he roasted you, which is very how did I How did I miss that? Because, I mean, I'm usually pretty abreast of things that are happening, especially that kind of weird stuff. But completely missed it. Yeah, and I think this dude, Neil, uh, who I can't say his name, Stopinski. Yeah, he works for Mississippi State. He's their recruiting guy. Yeah, he even got you on it. So football guy got you (laughs) that you didn't know it. Neil is one of the best people, though, man. I love that guy. So he's not really a football guy trademark. But then there are people in my mentions sending me links to his music and telling me how not only is he an EDM DJ, apparently he's like a really good one. So... It's been my experience uh, going to, like, you know, parties and whatnot. Whenever there is a DJ, like a pro athlete DJ who's good enough to book a big event like that, they're really good. So, But think about it this way. Like, Paris Hilton books big events as an EDM DJ. Do we assume that she's really good or is she booking it because she has a name? Well, no. I mean, I remember – do you remember when Lindsay Lohan was dating, like, Sam Ronson? Yeah, 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 I do. I went to a party and Sam Ronson was DJing at that time, and I was convinced it was a huge party uh, for around like the Tampa Super Bowl, and I was convinced she only got the gig because she was dating Lindsay Lohan or whatever, and she yeah. was one of the best DJs I'd ever like in terms of the you know the party was going, and the same goes for Marcellus Wiley who DJed a party I was at one time. And I think his DJ name is Dat Dude. Uh, well, Shaq he, DJed a party here once too, and there were not very good reviews. No, it really wasn't. It wasn't the same. Yeah, but no. Shaq is a bigger name. I feel like I feel like Ronnie Cycli's not getting gigs just because he's Ronnie Cycli. You know? No, I, mean? I just didn't know that it was a thing. I thought I, mean, I had uncovered something here, but I guess not. It was, the, I guess the the question is, do I have to go to the set on New Year's Eve? 
a New Year's Eve party at the 92nd United. The problem is, you're not much... That will be at the Under Armour game? Yeah, well, yeah, we'll be in some offshoot place, but you're also not a big EDM person unless, uh, you know, certain you know, <laughs> Unless the external circumstances are involved. Right. I have been to many EDM shows. I, I'd say that I've learned to like it more than I did five years ago. I wouldn't say that I love it. I'm not listening to it in the car. Well, but uh, issue, I'm coming around on it. The issue is you don't. You're not a dancer, so that's yeah. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem. I've tried so hard to get Rob to dance. We broke down some barriers. As I am a legendary dancer, uh, catch me. I on can the attest. Dance. Catch me on the dance floor. I turn people's heads everywhere I go. So, all right, moving on. Rants and recommendations. I did. <laughs> We got Rob's plane ticket thing. Now, here's a problem. I might have talked about this before, so please tell me, uh, listeners, if I have, because I, I tend to complain about the same things over and over again, as Rob will tell you. Uh, what what happened to the night crew at grocery stores, okay? When I worked at a grocery store, and that's been 20 years since I worked at Safeway, a uh, big shout to them, uh, so I'm still criminally trespassed from the store where I worked. <laughs> So, because of course yeah because there was a dispute uh but you would have loved it rob i was in the union and i called yeah. yeah i was in the union i was in the united commercial food workers union and uh boy safeway didn't know what they had coming when they tried to mess with me when i when i pulled out that union card so i have yeah i have heard this story but go ahead anyway all right so uh a crew would come in at 10 o'clock they'd work 10 p.m to 6 a.m okay that was their shift that they worked uh, or maybe 10 to 6.30, building a lunch there or whatever. And they would stock the shelves all night. They'd bring out all the stuff, and they would go aisle by aisle. And they were like, I mean, they ran it like a machine. Rick Simpson, big shout. He was the head of the crew. <laughs> I'm sure Rick and his family members are listening. Yeah, right. Rick's family, by the way, turned out his daughter is one of the most preeminent wedding planners in Oregon now, uh, Abby. So big shout to the whole family. Uh, Rick and his wife both worked there. His wife was the main accountant. It was a, you know, Rick's like a character. Rick's like a real like Hank Hill type character, you know? Oh, yeah. He had his crew running like a machine. Great guy. He's a real stand-up guy. Uh, taught me a lot during that time, though. Because I would work four to one, so I had a three-hour carryover. So the rule was, wheelers weren't allowed on the floor until, and those are the big things that carry all the stuff, they weren't allowed on the floor uh, until before 10 p.m., because it was against, you know, these OSHA regulations, it's unsafe for customers, okay? Cut to now at Publix, okay, which everybody, the Publix, you know, Illuminati, which I'm convinced, by the way, that, that women who grow up in the state of Florida are brainwashed to just be obsessed with Publix. It's could, not could, just women. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're, I talked to Blake Alderman this morning. You want to talk about leading the charge on... Well, Blake is Blake has Blake definitely grew up in the cradle of Publix propaganda. So, I like Publix. It's a cool grocery store. I, I like it, especially compared to some other places. So I don't want. Well, it's no, it's no Wegmans. We don't want to get into this, but Wegmans is definitely like the leader in grocery store. Right. So we can go around and around on it, but okay. This, you know. So anyway, why now? I went in there the other day. I go to the gym every morning. Uh, I wake up early, go to the gym, and then come home. I get home by about 9 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock every day, and then I start my day. I decided to stop at the grocery store at Publix the other morning. It is pandemonium. Every single aisle, stocks, sh- shelves are being stocked. There's things everywhere. You can't get around. People are blocking you. People are dropping stuff, dropping by. They're wheeling the boxes out. Boxes are falling on the ground. 
I'm like, what? what is going on? Shouldn't this be being done when the store is closed? Have stores cut the night shift because they just want to close the store and they figure, hey, we'll stock it during the day? I I, I, I don't know. Like, is Publix, Are some Publix's 24-hour operations? Or no, not? none of them are 24 hours. And Safeway, you know, goes back and forth between being a 24 and being not. So it didn't matter if the store was open or closed. That night crew was in there working. They preferred it to be closed because then they could get more work done without having to tend to customers, you know. Yeah, and not have to act like professionals. Right, provide superior customer service. I'm just telling you, it's a bad look. It's a bad look to have all these boxes everywhere. You know, if you're the self-proclaimed best grocery store and all these people want to be on my Twitter feed talking about how they miss it, how they love it. Guess what? Step into reality is you go go try, go try to buy some eggs, Rob, at 9 a.m. at a Publix. And good luck even get anywhere near the de- the dairy section. Well, I somehow live in a neighborhood with a Winn-Dixie. So. Oh, my <laughs> no, God. Well, may, may, may the Lord have mercy on you. <laughs> no, there is a Publix, but it's a little bit further away. Yeah, for some reason. My, wa- my walking distance grocery store is for some reason Winn-Dixie. No, you can't. Do you ever go there? Um, Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, boy. Good In a luck. pinch. Good luck finding any decent produce at that place. They're the meat people. The no, nah, there's a Whole Foods where where you're, from, you're going for produce. That's where you go. Anyway, I've had it. But if you, you know, share your stories with us. I, I can tell you that that uh, I'm mad about it. And I thought, by the way, I bought some stuff at Publix the other day and got it home and realized it was expired. But then I had thrown my receipt away and I had no recourse. So. Yeah, you're you're unnoticed, Publix. You know, yeah. I can't believe you didn't go on Twitter like everybody else every time they have a bad experience somewhere and let them have well, it. So what I do when that happens, by the way, this is the power of the blue check mark. Whenever I see. I, I refuse to. I feel so bad. I feel like such a punk when I tweet at brands like that because when I see other people do it with a bunch okay. of followers, it makes me like, ugh. It really well, makes. Ugh. I'm gonna give you a, comfortable. I'm gonna give you a Walmart complaining hack. I slide in the DMs. See, I, that's better. I say, hey, Publix, look, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to start anything, but you can't be selling me expired foods, and then I send. No, a that's better. The, the DM is great. I, it's just when you try to leverage your followers against a brand, it's I don't know, it's kind of cringy to me. There, but. there was some issue with like this thing called uh, Candytopia, where it was like we had bought tickets for it. It's like one of these, basically, an Instagram event. Yeah, where there's yeah. a bunch of candy there, allegedly. You can take and, pictures. Like the yeah. ice cream museum or whatever. Yeah, like the ice cream museum, which happened to be in like every city in America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Candytopia, I did have to go public because uh, there was an event in California that then got canceled. And then there was an event here in Atlanta, and they had to cancel like the first day of it here, too. And finally, I... I I, t- I DM'd them. They didn't answer me. And finally went public. And I was like, this is the fire festival of candy events. <laughs> and the C- so then then came the responses. And then came a phone call from oh, boy. the CEO of this Candytopia thing, which, which you know me, Rob. If we're in a restaurant and something goes wrong, I generally don't say anything. But then when they start nudging me, like, Oh, uh, sir, was there something wrong with your salad? I go, nah, nah, I just didn't, I didn't feel like eating it. Are you, are you sure? There wasn't anything wrong with it? And then once and they then ask, it becomes, well, <laughs> once they ask the third question, little did they know I'm going on a 20 minute rant about <laughs> the stuff. And boy, that Candytopia lady, 
Got it. And then she assured me of a VIP experience, which uh, didn't happen either. Yeah, so. I'm sure the VIP experience at Candy Utopia. What other celebs do you think are in the room? Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, all right. That wraps it up for us. Rob is a flight to catch. In a oh, minute. hold on. I also have a recommendation, though. Oh, quick. okay. All right, real quick. I have, and I, I don't think this is for anybody, but if you have any interest in the subject matter, the Showtime Wu-Tang Clan show starts out slow, but it's actually gotten really good. It's called Wu-Tang and American Saga. It's the true story of the formation of the Wu-Tang Clan, which was an influential thing for me when I was a kid. It was the first CD I ever owned uh, was Enter the Wu. And I think it's really good. It's really interesting. And uh, I think there are five episodes out. It comes out on Sunday nights. So it hits Hulu on Mondays. And uh, I've enjoyed it. So. So, oh, it's on Hulu. But do you have to have a Showtime subscription to watch it on Hulu? No, no, no. I think it comes on Showtime and then it hits Hulu the day after. Oh, okay. All right, I'll check it out then. Yeah, I was going to say, the Showtime is a real blind spot for me. I know they have a lot of shows that people like, but it's like, you know, I can only have so many premium subscriptions. Uh, the first couple episodes are a little tough, but it straightens out, uh, and it's pretty good. Well, guess what? we got to go. i got to go see this Downton Abbey movie. Oh, baby, I'm excited. Uh, so that'll be my recommendation after I see it. Maggie Smith. Talk about talk about a, a treasure, a global treasure, one of the best actresses of a generation. So, big what shot. else is she in? Because I never watched Downton uh, Abbey. She's in Harry Potter, uh, but she's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, she's the grandma on that show, and boy, she is full of zingers, Rob. I'm telling you, I what's her be, name? Uh, Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. You Google her. You remember? She's like a That's really old lady who looks really, you know, sarcastic. You got her? Oh, yeah. I know her. What do I know her from? She was in all types scroll of down. She's a treasure. Um, but she's amazing. And, uh, she, but listen to this. She has an extensive... She was in Goss, Gosford Park. I've seen that movie. Yeah, an extensive, varied career on stage, film, and television, spanning over 67 years. Wow. Oh, I figured out where I know her from. What? <laughs> Sister Act and Sister Act 2. Two great films. Uh, yeah. um, which I will watch anytime. I will watch Sister Act 2 anytime it's on television. Excuse me, Rob. It's called Sister Act 2, colon. Back in the, ha- back. Uh, back in the Habit. Back in the Habit. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so I once, I remember uh, me and my best friend, Ryan Gogermeyer, big shout, who never would never listen to this podcast or probably even knows what a podcast is. Uh, we were in this class together our senior year. He, he got kicked out. Like he got kicked out of the class permanently for laughing at the uh, laughing when a teacher was telling a story about his wife uh, almost being killed during the war in Panama. Okay. He, he was he was like flirting with a girl across the class and happened to laugh right at the darkest part of the story and got permanently banned from the class. So so later on, as as the semester was dwindling, we decided the teacher somehow got into a discussion about favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I'm going around, okay, what's your favorite movie? I remember this girl, Lindsay, Lindsay Teller, who is now uh, married, and named, her name is Lindsay Laycock. By the way, her name. She's throwing out real names here. She says, uh, well, she's a realtor. I'm sure she'd appreciate the business. Um, she says, uh, my favorite movie is Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. <laughs> you can't dispute it. It's a Listen, fine movie. And I was like, What? Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit? Like, she said the entire name like that, too, by the way. I was like, not Sister Act 1. You like Sister Act 2 better than Sister Act? And I do, of course, too. I do, too. Well, everyone in the class was like, oh, Woody, stop being an a-hole. <laughs> uh, and I didn't have Gagamar there to back me up, so I was just left on an island to look like the jerk, which I am and was. Uh, do you remember the R&B group uh, City High? Yeah. 
the kid that sings Oh Happy Day, the solo in Oh Happy Day and Sister Act 2, is the lead of City High. The, the only City High song is that no, I know is the one where the, the girl sings and then the... And then the guy, also yeah, the guy, yeah, the, the guy, the, the rapper guy, is the kid from Sister Act Two that sings "Oh Happy Day." What, what was this song that City I had? Uh, what was it? It was um, uh, I've, I've seen people like, karaoke. Where I go, I got it. Oh no, that's another one. That's another no, no. City High song. I do know. <laughs> you know too. The t- the, the child. You're thinking, all yeah, alone you're thinking, on the yeah, the, the, the duet, yeah. Crying on the bathroom floor because he's hungry, and the only way to feed him is to sleep with the man for a little bit of money, and his daddy's gone. <laughs> that one. So we're smoking lockdown, in and out of lockdown. I ain't got a job now, right? There yep, go. That's it. That's so it. So for you, this is just a good time. Well, for, for me, this is what I call life. life. What's, wow. What's the name of the song, though? Don't know. <laughs> oh, what would you do is the name. The name is what would you do. <laughs> that's right, because that's when he raps the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, all right, uh, that wraps it up for us. Uh, people love it when we sing, and we're just horrible singers. Um, have we sang on this podcast in the past? Uh, you definitely have, for sure. So uh, that wraps it up for us. Let me see if I can. Can City High like, play us out? Yeah, I'm going to try to see if I can queue up uh, City High. I did like, I had a big time crush on the City High singer, so maybe I'll look up her Instagram. I re- if I remember correctly, the video is them sitting on the steps and like. Brooklyn somewhere. It looks like Park Slope and just kind of like singing on a stoop. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, City High, play us out. We'll be back with a new episode next week. This is that. Oh, this is the right song. Yes, yeah, that's the right song. Okay. All right, play us out, City High.